are in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, and this passage actually goes to chapter 3, verse 7. And um, when I read it uh, and checked the title, it was all about godly submission. Um, so this passage actually starts with submission to uh, like ruling authorities, government. It then moves on to slaves and masters. It then goes to Jesus as an example of suffering. Um, it then moves on to women um, submitting to their husbands and then women living counterculturally, looking at the inward appearance rather than your outward appearance. Um, and then finally it ends with um, men, husbands treating their wives equally. So it's a massive passage of scripture. There's a big content um, and I'm going to encourage you to read that this week and sit with it yourself um, because we're actually only going to sit with in the first four verses today. Um, so godly submission, we often hear the word submission and have strong reactions to it. At least I know I do. Um, we can see submission as a weakness and, you know, it actually has negative connotations. Uh, sometimes su submission, the way we think about it, is probably linked to abuse, abuse of power um, uh, and, and abuse of um, vulnerable people as well. Um, in fact, I was talking to a friend during the week about this topic and uh, when I mentioned what I was preaching on, um, she told me that as a young person, as a youth, that she uh, really struggled with the, I guess, uh, with the meaning of submission based on her own experiences, based on what was happening at home. Um, and that when she'd gone to church, she'd heard a sermon um, on the Proverbs 31 woman being the perfect submissive um, wife. And she had such a strong reaction to it that when she went home, she actually ripped um, Proverbs 31 out of a Bible because she actually didn't want to have anything to do with it as a young person. So submission can have a really negative connotations depending on your life experiences and what's happened. And we um, subconsciously, I think, apply those uh, life experiences to biblical text and come out with um, perhaps a different understanding of what the passage is trying to say. So why did Peter include such um, a chunk of scripture in a letter that's essentially a, a letter of encouragement on how to live as a Christian in a non-Christian world? Um, so if we, if we actually look at the cultural context of First Peter, it makes sense. Um, for centuries, the Israelites had been living under uh, non-Jewish rule. Um, they're, they're, they had to live out their faith and culture while being ruled by people that weren't Jews. Um, and, they, and those people had little understanding of their faith and they actually had little inclination to care. Um, the Israelites were persecuted daily for, um, for their faith and the people saw their rituals and religion and, and really they just they mocked them. Um, Jewish, Jewish people also had an innate belief that it was wrong to actually follow anyone or obey anyone that wasn't a Jew. Um, so all this was going on, and then we also have a bunch of brand new Christians trying to work out how to live as Christians in the world that they found themselves. And not only that, we have um, another group of Christians that were kind of zealot, extreme Christians that actually wouldn't uh, follow anyone, wouldn't actually obey any, any king, any authority other than God, and wouldn't pay taxes to anyone other than God. So all this is happening, and at the same time, we have a culture where being a slave or owning a slave was actually common practice. Um, and, and not only that, um, society kind of existed as it was because of slavery. 
Um, we have women that were seen as property. Um, they were commodities or burdens, depending on where you sat in your wealthy, whatever, um, your wage bracket. <laughs> and, 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 and they were not treated as equal. They were not equal to men. So all this is happening. And this is where First Peter kind of sits. And you know what? It was totally not as God intended, but it's totally the world in which they lived in and the world that we actually live in too. Um, but Peter was, was writing to encourage us that we actually need to live as God intended. So e- even amongst all that society is, we actually need to live as God intended within the boundaries of the physical world that we live in. Um, we need to be good citizens. That's basically what it is. We need to be good citizens. We are not to overlook as Christians or condone um, abuse of power, abuse of vulnerable people. Um, we're not to use our influence and power against someone else. You know, as Christ followers, we are to live as God intended. Uh, yeah, we to obey unless um, something goes against what is biblical. Um, I don't have a clicker, so can someone put up the first? Thank you. Awesome. So First Peter um, says, chapter 2, says, Submit yourself to the authority of every human institution for the sake of the Lord, to honour his name. Whether it is to a king as one in power or position of power or to governors um, as sent by him to bring punishment to those who do wrong and to praise and encourage those who do right. For it is the will of God that by doing right you praise and encourage those who do right. For, sorry, for it's the will of God that by doing right you may silence, muzzle, gag. I love that. Silence, muzzle, gag. The culpable ignorance and irresponsible criticism of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover or pretext for evil, but use it and live as bondservants of God. Show respect for all people. Treat them honourably. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the king. Essentially, Peter was saying that we are to recognise and respect those in charge as God-given positions. Um, Live within the bounds of our side of society and by our actions and the way that we treat people and the way that we love each other, we're actually going to point people to Jesus. You know, if we actually live as God intended, we actually fulfill our purpose, which is to point people to Jesus. You know, that's really what it's all about. Um, If we do this individually, it's pretty good, but if we actually do it collectively, can you imagine the impact we could make if we actually just live as God intended Um, and the outcome is that we actually point people to Jesus? You know, yeah. So Paul um, actually wrote something similar in Romans 13. He said, Therefore, one must be subject to civil authorities, not only only to escape punishment that comes with wrongdoing, but also as a matter of principle, knowing what is right before God. For this is the same reason you pay taxes for civil authorities are God's servants, devoting themselves to government. Pay to all what is due, tax to whom tax is due, customs to whom customs. Respect to whom respect, honour to whom honour. You know, the Cambridge um, Dictionary actually defines submission in two ways, an act of giving and an act of accepting. So two ways. Um, An act of giving, you know, is handing over, giving up, giving control to others. It's an action and a choice. An act of accepting is also an act of, uh, is also a choice. Um, It is allowing others to have control or power over you 
accepting someone else's choices as your own. You know, um, First Peter, submission in First Peter, as much as we hear the word submission and we think it's a weakness, in First Peter it's actually a strength. Um, it's, actually, it's seen as a strength. It's seen as a choice of handing over and accepting. Um, it allows us to use and execute self-control in a way, in the way that we actually respond to those that are in authority over us. Um, and the way that we treat others uh, and the way that we actually use our power and influence over others is a way that we actually get to show respect and honour God. Um, our conduct, conduct, the way that we behave, is a way of defending and it's a way of highlighting the gospel that we actually live by. You know, the freedom that we have in Jesus um, is... is is ours to use to show love, respect and kindness and, and regardless of our situation and circumstance, it's there for us to actually highlight and defend the gospel. Our conduct, the way we behave, highlights and defends Jesus. You know, most countries that you visit think highly of Australians. Um, in, you know, I've had a, a, the, I would say it's a privilege to travel and I've had the privilege to actually travel a fair bit and wherever I go, it's been my experience that once people find out you're Australian, um, they are uh, they're way more welcoming um, because Australians actually have a pretty good reputation. Um, the first trip that I actually did, uh, I have a brother that lives in Canada, so we travelled to Canada a fair bit, and the f- he had been there for a year, and my other brother actually joined him, and so um, as a family we decided we'd go to Canada. This was a long time ago. Um, go to go to Canada and spend Christmas there because it was the first Christmas that we had without um, my brothers. And on the way back, we decided we'd actually visit quite. A, we went to New York, London, Paris, Singapore. We thought we'd have a little bit of a tour of the world on our way home, and we found ourselves in Paris. And um, if you are American or English, I'm really sorry. But when I was in Paris, I discovered that as, far, as soon as they found out that we were not English and we were not American, the Parisians, um, they, they went from aloof to super friendly as soon as they knew that we were Australian. Uh, Australians are well liked. In fact, one day in Paris, we needed to get on the metro, but our metro card had actually expired and we didn't realise it. And so I was asking this guy for help on how to actually navigate the metro. And he asked me if I was English. I said, no. I asked, he asked me if I was American. I said, no. And then he asked me if I was Italian. <laughs> I love pasta, but I'm like as far, as far from Italian as you can get. And I, he actually asked me a couple of times if I was Italian. And when he, when he actually it dawned on him that I was an Australian... He went above and beyond to actually help us get on that train and I'm pretty sure we actually didn't pay for our train ride that day. Um, Being an Australian makes a difference. The same as every time I go to the States and Canada, you know, when they find out you're Australian, they actually want to get to know you more. They want to hear about your story. Um, You know, when we travel, we represent our country, Aussies. People identify with us, they identify with our culture and they identify um, with our country. Now, as Christians, we don't have accents, and we don't have countries that we represent and that people can identify and know straight away. All we really have 
as Christians is the way that we respond to people and love them. That's what makes us identified as a group of people, is the way that we actually respond and love. We don't have anything else that tells them that we're Christians. By our behaviour, the way that we actually behave defends and highlights the gospel. Um, You know, we... Now, this is who we are now. We're Christ followers and we actually carry Jesus' name. Just as we're ambassadors when we go to another country, we're ambassadors of Australia, we're actually ambassadors of Jesus. We carry his name. Um, The way that we behave towards particularly those that are in authority over us really highlights and defends the gospel. You know, uh, we live counterculturally as God intended. We need to be good citizens um, we represent our Heavenly Father in what is essentially a foreign land. This is not our home. We represent our Father. And we, we need to do this individually and collectively. You know, in John um, 13, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, we should be known by the way we treat people. Christ should be known through us. How we respond to authority and how we treat others matters. You know, but in order to do that, we collectively need to know, understand who we are in Jesus. We need to know what our identity is in him so that we can actually live out our identity in this world that we find ourselves. You know, once we understand who we are and where our identity truly comes from, we can therefore live as citizens of our true home. You know, we are living as Christians in a non-Christian world. Hence, the way we live should be in, con- <coughs> in contrast um, to the, wor- the world that we live in. You know, the comparison should be so obvious that it actually needs no further explanation. The comparison of the way we live should be so obvious to the world around us. You know, First Peter, it says, For the will of God, that by doing right, you may silence, muzzle, gag, the culpable ignorance and irresponsible criticism of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover or pretext for evil. But use it and live as bondservants of God. Show respect for all people. Treat them honorably. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. You know, when we live as God intended... Um, doing right, honouring those in authority, we actually silence our critics. You know, when we treat people with respect, when we love each other and put God first, we show show a picture of who God is. And this has an everlasting imprint on the communities around us. You know, when we live as ambassadors of our creator, um, then people see and meet God. You know, a bond servant um, actually means uh, a servant bound to service without wages, such as a slave. Which really, it just implies that we are to live as our master or creator intends. Respecting all people, loving each other with God first and honouring authority. Godly submission is a choice. To give up your own earthly will and nature whilst accepting and responding with respect to those that are in authority over us. You know, it actually goes against our human nature to submit. Um, I know that it definitely does for me. Uh, 
you know, particularly when we don't agree with someone or we think that um, our way or our thoughts are even more uh, important than the person that's in authority. Thanks, Gary. I saw you coming. Gary Cross, everyone, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it, it goes against our human nature to, to actually submit. You know, when someone tells me what to do, my natural inclination is to actually want to do the opposite. When someone gives me a rule, my thought immediately is how am I actually going to get around that to do things the way that I want? When someone asks me to do something their way, I, I am the first that nods and goes, you know what, I'm going to do it a different way and have the same result. Like our natural response to submission is not, yeah, no worries. It's actually our way. Submission is a choice, you know, to give up our will and our nature in, in order for someone else. Um, yeah. yeah. In Australia, you know, as well, in Australia, in this culture, we learn nothing more than to knock down our tall poppies. You know, what we love to do is to actually uh, have a go at our politicians, have a go at our bosses, have a go for any, at anyone that's in authority. It's what we do culturally. It's actually not even a part of our culture to submit. The world does not like human rule. It's just not how we are. Submission is hard. First Peter, once again, says, Submit yourself to the authority of every human institution for the sake of the Lord to honour his name. You know, we're called to live counterculturally. Submit, submission doing right, treating all people with respect, loving each other, actually brings honour to God. It's what he asks us to do. If we live well in contrast to the world around us, the consequence is that people see Jesus. You know, in my first job as a professional, um, I'd finished one set of qualifications and was just about to finish my degree. Um, and there was a change in the director at the childcare centre that I worked at, um, worked at at the time. And back in the day, a primary school teacher could be employed in an early childhood service if they did 60 hours of professional development. Um, which is really interesting because primary school and early childhood education are like worlds apart. Uh, Nine-year-olds are very different to three- and four-year-olds. And when, when a primary school teacher steps into an early childhood um, service, bringing systems and teaching strategies from an, uh, an upper primary school level into something that is um, very little, three- and four-year-olds, doesn't work. doesn't work really well uh, at all. And... So my um, educational philosophy and my new director's educational philosophy was worlds apart. And we pretty much bumped heads from the moment that she started. And what made it worse was that she was actually a family friend. She'd known me my whole life. Her kids were the same age, age as me. Um, but we really struggled. And there were many, many, many conversations along the way. But one day... <laughs> I just lost my self-control. Um, my frustration had built to such a level where um, I told her what I thought and the manner in which I actually told her what I thought totally did not give her respect 
not only as my boss and her position, but also as a person. I lost it. Um, And you know what the response back to me was? This is not how a Christian behaves. You must not be a Christian, was what was said to me. Um, And you know what's funny? When I look back on it, I go, professionally I can stand here and go, I do not second guess my professional frustration in that. I, I go, you know what? My concerns at the time I go were just. I can say, yeah, they were just. But my behaviour and the way that I responded to her as my, the person that was in authority to me, oh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> and, and I so regret that that was the way that I handled that. I was super young, I was super passionate, but I was super wrong. <laughs> and, and I was even more wrong because it actually pointed out um, who Jesus wasn't <laughs> uh, compared to who Jesus was. That was the picture I painted you know, and that was the consequences. We're, we're called to live differently. We're actually called to respond differently, um, to live counterculturally. Uh, our behaviour should be above reproach. We all stuff up. We all stuff up. But I think when we remember that we're actually ambassadors of Jesus, we carry his name into whatever situation or circumstance we go in, regardless of how we feel, we actually carry the name of Jesus. Um, it actually makes it easier to remember to respond with respect when you remember that you're carrying the name of Jesus. Um, you probably have your own, own stories um, of times where perhaps you didn't respond well to someone that was in authority over you or even someone as a person in general, you know. Um, I'm sure we all have stories where we did not honour God in the way that we treated someone. Um, you actually might find yourself at the moment with the worst absolute boss possible and every day is a struggle to actually go into work. Or maybe, you know, you're in, in immense pressure just because of the systems that are in place um, and, and life is really hard. Uh, how you respond in those situations really matters. You know, by doing right, you silence the critics and you bring honour to God. You know, if you're a young person, if you're a youth, uh, it may not be a boss. It actually may be a teacher. I think most of us have all had experiences with teachers where even personalities, you just clash, you just don't get on. Um, and, and it is hard. Um, it actually may be a parent for you as well because, you know, your parents are, are in godly positions of authority over you. Um, but Matthew 5 says... You've heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbour, fellow man, and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love, that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for you, your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may show, show yourselves to be the children of your Father who is in heaven. So that you may show yourselves to be the children of your Father who is in heaven. It's so easy to like and to respect and to respond to people well when they're people that actually show you respect and treat you well in return, you know. But we're actually called to love and respond to everybody with respect. Everyone, you know. Um, yeah, Loving others, especially those that make life hard at times, can seem impossible. Responding with respect and love, living counterculturally, doing the opposite of our human nature, 
points people to Jesus, whether it's a boss, teacher, parent, anyone really. You know, it simply may mean, you know, at, at if, particularly if you're at school and there's a group of people gossiping about a teacher and tearing them down and saying stuff, it may just simply mean for you that you don't, that you actually don't engage in those conversations, that you show respect. You know, it might even be, you know, it might be the same at work where everyone's having a go at the boss and it may simply be, mean that you don't, that you don't engage in those conversations, that you actually show respect even when that person isn't there. Um, yeah. You, you know, this really all comes down to seeing people like Jesus does and responding to them as he would. You can make a huge difference in someone's life by showing respect, loving people and honouring God. You have the power to represent Jesus as his ambassador just by living in a countercultural way. Um, choosing to activate and use self-control, hand over and accept authority and love and respect all people. Our conduct is a way of defending and highlighting the gospel. Show, living as a, as a Christian in a non-Christian world could easily be summed up in First Peter where it says, show respect for all people, treat them honourably, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God and honour the king. You know, this week I actually got to practice submission um, because when I found out that this was the topic, if I'm really honest with you, I did not want to do it. I really didn't. And I even went into Kev and Andrew with love and respect and told them exactly what I thought about me doing this. I'm like, Kev, you tricked me. But no, he didn't. Um, and I actually got – it's kind of funny that I got to practice what I was preaching um, – but I guess my prayer as a church is, as a church, you know, that we will collectively be known by the way that we love each other, the respect that we give all people, and the way we actually put God first and honour those systems and people who govern us and are in authority over us, whether that's at work, whether that's at school, whether that's in our sporting teams, in our communities, um, and especially here, imagine the outcome if we individually and collectively represent Jesus well. If we be good citizens and live as God actually intends. Um, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that we um, get the opportunity to, to represent you, that we are your ambassadors and that you call us to live differently. I thank you that you are a good God, a God who gives us all that we need in order to do this well. I thank you for your word that helps and guides us and I thank you for you, Holy Spirit, that also just helps us to be who we need to be. And I just really pray, Lord Jesus, that as we go from today that we'll be people that just, um, that just have our eyes fixed on you, that see people the way that you see people and that respond in a way that um, brings you honour and glory, Lord. May we point people to Jesus and may we make a great impact in this community around us. And I thank you for all you're doing in your name. Amen.